Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, before we start today's podcast, I want to thank all the people taking the time to drop us a review. And this is also your notice to those who have not given us a review on Spotify. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star review on the Spotify Your app. notice? You sound like you're going to Yes. Oh, this is your notice. I'm coming <laughs> for you. Uh, uh, we seriously appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, but also for taking the time to just click on over. Give us a five-star review. Um, a written review helps as well. It's really helping this channel grow. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash at Deuce and Mo. We're posting content each and every day, and we'll be live for NBA draft night, a long draft stream. Buckle up. Kings are picking at 24. We'll be on throughout the first round reacting to every pick that will be live at youtube.com slash at Deuce and Mo. Let's start the show. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. They tell you what they know. Deuce and Mo. Deuce and Mo. Do some more. The that you know. Well, Morgan, I'm super excited about our next guest. Let's let's just go over a brief resume for Ooh. a second. Number one, he hosts a podcast, the yes. Leave Your Legacy podcast. He was Mr. Basketball for the state of Michigan. Mm. That's legit. Huge. He wanted to play his college ball at the University of Iowa. Also, I saw this nugget. He holds the Iowa record for most steals in a single game with nine against Ohio State in 1995. He played the CBA and the IBL. Oh, and he's the father of Keegan and Chris Murray. Let's welcome to the show for the first time, Kenyon Murray. I don't know if it has the same ring. I don't know if it has the same ring. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Kenyon, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Doing good. Just, you know, kind of crazy week getting ready for the draft next week and everything. So a lot of a lot of fun things going on around here. Yeah. yeah that's what we're going to ask you is <laughs> you have another child who's about to get drafted to the NBA. Last year it was Keegan. This year it's Chris. A little week plus out from the NBA draft. Is it nervous time for you or are you like, hey, I've been through this before. We're, we're good. No, I, I definitely think that... Uh, there's not as many nerves as it was last year. I think maybe the maybe a little bit of uncertainty, I guess, of where Chris will go because he has such a wider range uh, in the draft than Keegan did last year. But I think all the other things that go into preparing your family for travel and all that kind of stuff for the draft, like we have that in the bag. So now it's just 
Chris finishing out some workouts this week. So, yeah. So Keegan is also helping him prepare, right? Like not only with um, what he needs to do physically, but obviously mentally. Yeah, I think he helped him a lot getting prepared for the combine with the interview process because he had so many. It was just really about keeping his energy up, you know, being excited to meet with all the teams that he was able to meet with. But Keegan helped him a lot with, you know, some of the questions he's, he was going to get and some of the things that they'll probably ask you. Here are some things you need to prepare for when you talk about just kind of the IQ parts of the game and the kind of questions that GMs and presidents and, and head coaches would ask in the interviews. I think he's probably been more valuable in that area than the physical part. Well, let's talk about raising. Well, number one, you've got a family. It's not just Chris <laughs> and Keegan, of course, but raising two kids that are ones in the NBA, one's about to be in the NBA. And I think so many people hear about that and they think, okay, maybe the parents were like, you're playing basketball from day one. That's what you're doing. That wasn't really the case with Chris and Keegan. You had them play multiple sports, you know, from golf, flag football, baseball, baseball, basketball. Why, why was it so important to have that balance growing up? Well, I think what I saw a lot of as a coach and then as I got into AAU basketball was just the burnout rates for mm. a lot of these kids. The kids that were specializing really early, it didn't matter if it was football, basketball, baseball, whatever, started to see a trend of these kids that were just focusing on one sport and how it just grinded them out. And once they got to high school, they really lost the love of the game. And so Michelle was a four sport athlete. You know, I unfortunately was a basketball player slash viola player. <laughs> so I only played one sport, but um, we just thought it was important for them to have that balance because we wanted them to be able to try a lot of different things and figure out what they liked and eventually what they loved and have them make the decision and not have that come from Michelle or myself. And you also, I mean, talk about being involved. You coached them all growing up. And I was talking about this with Deuce. My, my dad coached me a lot growing up um, in basketball and I never appreciated him as a coach until I was in college and realized wow that was actually one of the best coaches I had I mean he was um, very very hard on me but in in a very good way but also was always trying to learn the game as well while trying to help us learn and evolve our games what were you like with coaching all of your kids? Uh, well, Demetrius, our oldest, who we adopted, I uh, I coached him as a freshman. He didn't like me after the first meeting. Um, so, you know, he thought I was a few choice words. But, you know, I was, I was hard on them, but it was because I knew how much they loved the game and I wanted to make sure that they maximized the time that they were on the floor. It didn't matter if we were out there for a half hour or three hours. I wanted them always to maximize the time on the floor. So I was hard on them, um, sometimes a lot more than I probably should have been. And it was actually Chris who kind of put me in check with that when they were in high school. And, you know, Keegan has always been one of those kids like Keegan, Chris will say that Keegan's a favorite, right? <laughs> and he'll say that he's the one that kind of turns the screws on mom and I. And so uh, their senior year, I had kicked him out of practice. I kicked Chris out of practice and we had a family meeting here because I didn't know if it was the right thing. I was ready to take myself out of the equation and not be the assistant coach on the varsity team. If it meant that they, that it would be a better situation for them. 
well, you know, Keegan wanted me there. And Chris basically said, it's, it's not that I don't want you coaching us. It's that we never seem to be doing anything right in your eyes. Like mm. you don't compliment us like you do other players, even though they were the best players on the team. They didn't, I didn't treat them the way I treat other players. And so I knew they could take it because I knew there were certain guys I couldn't yell at and things like that on the team. But it was Chris that said, we need to have some kind of boundary. Like you, you can be tough on us as a coach, but you know, once, once we leave the gym, the coach and player stops and his father and son. And so we made that distinction that night before the season. It was one of our earlier practices in the season before we got started. And that really set the tone for, I think, their development and being away from me and not having me as a coach. But also they had the foundation of understanding like how hard they had to work day in and day out. But it was really Chris that kind of set that that tone and then McKenna came along and she made let me know like as a freshman like yo dad I got a coach over here I don't need you talking to me in the stands but um so yeah so that's that's kind of how it was um but I think we laid a pretty good foundation one of respect of their coaches two respect of their teammates three when you consider yourself the best player on the team there's a certain level that you have to perform at every single day and I think that was really the, the, the point where their basketball careers just took a huge jump because of that mental maturity that they had. Um, and, I, and also it, it helped me as a, as a dad to be able to step away. So. I, I, I'm stunned by the mental maturity. I, I, I don't know how I would even know how to communicate that at 17 years old or senior in high school, however old they were. Uh, that's pretty impressive. Have you guys always communicated like that as a family? We've tried to, you know, I think one of the things that actually helped our communication was that was about the same time when Michelle and I were considering separating and maybe getting divorced. And part of the growth for me during that time was to improve my communication. And so as we were going through that, I was going to counseling and learning like how I needed to be able to communicate to not only my wife, but to my kids. And through that process, we were so transparent with everything that was going on. And we would have family meetings, um, whether it was about me and Michelle or whether it was about the kids and things that they had going on. So really it was, it was that point in our marital relationship that I learned to communicate better. And I think through that and being transparent, the boys understood like it's okay, one, to not be okay and to communicate that. But then that communication was the basis of how we work through things. And sometimes it breaks down. It's not it's not perfect by any means for any of us, but yeah. I think we are the family we are today because we went through that, um, obviously low point in our marriage. We went through it together as a family. And I think that's why we're where we're at today. I love therapy. God. No, it's true. I mean, no, it's, it's just it's like, a- yeah, just hearing all that. It's like, yeah, it's crazy. All the skill sets that you can learn, but especially when it comes to communicating with your partner and people that you love. So, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what point did they start to kind of shift and focus just on basketball and what, what led to that? Because of course you, you played, right. You played at a very high level. Was there a moment in time for them where they went, okay, we just want to focus on basketball. Well, I think they've always loved basketball, but they, like I said, they were good in other sports. Baseball was probably their best sport, seventh, eighth grade. 
great hitters. Keegan was a phenomenal pitcher. Chris was a phenomenal center fielder. But baseball and basketball, same season, spring, summer. And so as we're playing travel basketball, like we had a summer where that we played, you know, McKenna was playing travel softball and basketball. The boys are playing travel basketball and baseball. And we were ripping and running all over the place. And it was between that, I think it was that maybe seventh or eighth grade years when they said, we just want to focus on basketball. And that was when we said, okay, if that's what you're going to do, when we go to the gym, like there's a certain, you know, 45 minutes with me, just that's all I want. And then after that, you guys can do whatever you want. And three hours later, we <laughs> be going home. Um, but they learn how to push each other. They learn how to work. Um, but yeah, seventh, eighth grade, they were really, really good in baseball. And Michelle thought that was going to be the ticket. And think about it. They're both lefties. They're six, eight and a half yeah. or whatever. Could have been some good pitchers, but uh, love was basketball. And, and when they decided that, that's when I, I knew, okay, now I've got to get better as a coach. And so I started actually training and learning how to make them better players because I wanted them to be better than me. Um, they weren't big. They weren't athletic like I was at that age. And so we really had to work the skill stuff, which was probably my downfall for not being able to play at the NBA level. Um, I had the uh -huh. other intangibles and things like that, but just didn't have the ball handling and shooting that I needed for my size. And so I just really skilled myself up on how to, train them to be better in those areas. I, I know we want kids to, uh, or young adults, kids, teenagers, to try all sports and experience all sports. Were you lightweight, super happy <laughs> when they chose to commit to basketball? Just, I mean, basketball's in your blood. I'm sure there had to be a little bit of you that was like, yes. Yeah, yeah, it was, you know, and I, like you said, I coached them all through. So I coached them Every AAU team they played on, I coached them except for the last one before their senior year. We actually moved to a different program so they could get more exposure. And that was the first time I kind of handed them off to another coach. Mm. And that was great. And he has, to this day, been their biggest supporters. I mean, NBA teams call him and talk to him wow. um, about both of them. So he was a big part of their development uh, between high school and in college and obviously not to the NBA, but yeah, I was, I was very happy to answer your question. <laughs> so at what point did you think, Hey, they might have a chance at the NBA. You know, a lot of people talk about both of them being kind of late bloomers, of course, going and ending up at Iowa. But what point were you thinking they actually have a chance to be NBA players? Um, for Keegan, probably, I would say probably the first part of his sophomore year, like up until December, I'm like, okay, you know, all the projections had him in like the twenties or whatever. And he came out of the shoot. We, you know, we weren't paying, playing great competition, but I was like, okay, like he's showing that, you know, he can take this to a different level. And then for Chris, it probably wasn't until like the second half of the big 10 season where he really started to come on, you know, he got limited minutes. I thought he should have played more like every dad should, you know, believes their kids should play more. Um, but he was our best player off the bench um, that year. And I thought, you know, okay, maybe another year and he would be ready. As far as Keegan being a lottery pick, I don't think that really hit any of us until the Big Ten tournament. Wow. Because up until that point, he'd been like, you know, they were like saying late lottery, you know, uh, middle of the first round. And then he had that great run at the Big Ten tournament and just obliterated everybody and that's when his agent was like calling like, yo, I think he's a, he's a top 10 pick for real. And so that's, that's when that happened. But I knew Chris probably needed another year. 
And that's why he came back this year to make, you know, to make it be known that he could carry a team and, and be a first round pick too, which he's set himself up for. So what, do you offer feedback after games? And by feedback, is it a text? Is it a phone call? And I'm talking both for Chris and Keegan. Yeah, I do. Uh, Keegan's quick to tell me that his Sacramento Kings coach is telling this and that. <laughs> and, and Chris is the same way. Um, the one thing that I realize is like, if I give him, if I give my feedback, it's always from a tactical point of view, right? It. It's all basketball, it's X's and O's, because I know them better than any, I know how they move and how they shoot and things like that. So I'll give little things like that. And they may kind of brush me off, but then the next game, I'll see that they've made adjustments. So I know that they, they're listening to what I'm saying. Um, so yeah, I do offer it, but not very much anymore. You know, I think Chris, they both have said it best, like they have a really good foundation. And obviously um, Kyle McElarney, who's, you know, their trainer and, and agent does a great job with their skill development and breaking down film with them. So they have enough people in their ear right now. The best thing for me is just being able to keep all the other stuff away from them, all the other adulting stuff that they have to do mm -hmm. and just let them focus on basketball. Well, I, I think one of my favorite things about you, you talk about the feedback and breaking down their games when you were on Twitter after certain games and maybe some people thought they, you know, that think that they know how basketball is played and they'll say certain things. And what I love would always be your honest breakdown or criticism to Keegan's game after an NBA game. I just, I, I just thought it was a fantastic approach and especially because you are I mean, Mr. Basketball we're talking to here. It's it's like it all made sense. And um, as an NBA dad, do did, did you ever get feedback from anyone else saying like, hey, I really appreciate what you're saying out here? I think there were some Sacramento fans that called me the anti-dad of one of the players that used to play. Oh, there. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I am honest. I think that's always been the case is I even though like, like going back to what Chris said about me being hard on him, it was honest, right? And maybe I maybe kind of went a little bit too far, like trying to correct everything, but it was a matter of like, this is what's going to make you better. Like it's the little things, right? You know, you hear, you know, even with Keegan and now with Chris, like they're not athletic, you know, they don't have NBA athleticism, which I think is a joke. Yeah. Um, they don't have NBA quickness, which I think is a joke when you look at some of the players that have had phenomenal careers in the NBA. Um, it's the little things that they focus on to give them that edge, to be able to get past somebody, to be able to get a rebound, to be able to get their shot off. It's the little things. And so that's where I think I have to be honest with them, right? Yeah. I have to give that honest because a lot of people, they just watch the game as fans. When you watch as a fan, it's so different. As you guys know, as you know, play by play in color, like, you know, there's so many other things that go into whether or not a play works or whether or not a guy gets a shot off. And everybody else just sees, you know, the end result and, oh, they blew that defensive assignment. Well, did you see that so-and-so didn't call out the switch and so-and-so got hit on the screen and they didn't check or they didn't show and all those kind of things. So uh, I try to be honest with it because I think for me as a dad, I can lose credibility as a coach if I don't, you know, if I don't break things down, honestly, I think for me, more than anything, I don't want to lose credibility as a as a coach of a high school team because if they see me going on Twitter saying the wrong stuff, it's like, how do how would my players, you know, respect yes. me for that? So my job is to break it down as a basketball coach. You know, I've done 
play-by-play -play and, and color, and I, I broke games down. So it's important that I keep that part of me true, regardless if my kid plays or not. So Morgan just mentioned like social media. I imagine that might be one of the most difficult parts about being a parent of an NBA player is just seeing some of that stuff out there, you know, when it's like a tough time or the criticism. What is the biggest challenge about being a parent of an NBA uh, player? Um, I, I think the toughest thing is that most people don't see them as people. Mm. Most, you know, they don't, they see them as something more because of, because they're on TV, because they make unbelievable amounts of money. They feel like that gives them the right to say anything to them. And we've seen instances where fans have crossed the line, whether it be in person or on Twitter and things like that. I think that's the toughest thing. And I've definitely had to step back a couple of times, like where I've been tweeting or I've been texting or putting a, putting a tweet together and I've kind of sat back and go, okay, let me not do that. Uh, I think that's the toughest part about being a parent is because you see them as your kid. You see them as a 22 year old, you know, basketball player and everybody sees them as this huge figure. And so I think that's the toughest thing for us. Like my wife, she, Michelle barely looks at social media. Um, I'm on it a lot, obviously because of podcasting and that kind of stuff. And I just kind of like what's going on. Um, obviously to do our job as podcasters, we need to be connected and, and following all that kind of stuff. But yeah. um, that's probably the toughest thing is to know, like when Chris and Keegan walk in our door, you know, they're, you know, K and K, they're our boys that, you know, we've raised for 22 years. They come home and want to lay on the couch and just cuddle with the dogs. Like those are our kids and people don't get to see them that way. So I think that's the toughest part as a parent. Yeah. I can only imagine. I would, I mean, verbally <laughs> rip people apart and and then that's not the right approach because yeah, yeah. you're just dealing with weird wrong people but um but okay we want your honest dad breakdown of keegan's rookie year as a sacramento king you know as as a dad i i would say that he probably did a little bit better than i thought he would you know one of the things that and, and I'm saying this because of just his consistency, right? Because of the ups and downs, like he had a rough November. We had a lot of things going on in November. First time on the road, trying to figure out, you know, his, you know, trying to figure out his rhythm on the road. Like when he, you know, when they got in late, how he slept and that kind of stuff. Then you had the thing with my mom that kind of shook him up, but then he kind of hit stride. And I joke with him, I'm like, man, you played three college seasons in one season. And when you break it down. And so, the consistency is what I was more impressed with. The shooting, I'm not, because I joked about it. Like everybody going into the draft said he wasn't, you know, oh yeah, his shot mechanics look good. And I'm like, Keegan's always been a shooter from day one. When he was 12 months old, I'll show you the video. He was shooting jump shots six feet across the room. He's always been a shooter. And it was just a matter of kind of getting in and refining it and fitting that role that they needed. And once he started getting the reps there, I didn't think he'd break the record. Let's, I'm just being honest, but I knew he would be a good outside shooter. So now for me, I, I thought it was a great first year. I thought he couldn't ask for a better coaching staff, top to bottom. I don't think he could ask for better teammates. I say that that team seems a lot more like a college team to me than it did a professional team, just because of how they got along and, and they interacted. Um, but I think people are going to be crazy excited to see just the leaps and bounds that he's going to take in this off season. And, you know, speaking of that, you know, De'Aaron Fox has taken him under his wing and, and that's who he's been working out with. So I'm thinking 
if if he can rub off a little bit of what you know the first time Mr. Clutch Award uh, winner, if he gets some of that, I think you know you need to watch out for him because mm. it's going to be he's going to be tough to stop. Yeah, I just think about for Keegan the experience he got, you know, most lottery picks go into situations where it's, it's rebuilding and they kind of grow with their new teams. You, you see it in Sacramento during the playoff draw, they had a lot of lottery picks and Keegan goes to a situation that was on the upswing, right? They make the big Sabonis trade, the trade deadline before drafting him. And he gets to play with a new coaching staff a system that I think just worked well with the ball movement, off ball movement, the shooting, the size of Sabonis, what Fox can do. And he's playing 30 minutes a night for a winning team. And then he gets to play in the NBA playoffs, playing big minutes in the NBA playoffs. And I I felt like he showed strides later in that series against the Golden State Warriors. I I just don't know if it could have been any more perfect for a rookie to, to experience that in, in his first year. Yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, you hit the nail on head. I think it was just a perfect situation for him all the way around. And as a rookie, I mean, and Mike even, you know, Coach Brown even alluded to it, like, hey, he doesn't have the, the rope that other top 10 picks have on their teams. It's, it's just a different situation. But I think for Mike, and I'm looking at the same thing for Chris, I think for my kids, to really um, reach their potential, they one have to be in a system that can see their value and what they bring to the table, not necessarily just points and rebounds, but it's the basketball IQ, the things that, you know, taking a charge here or there, you know, those kind of things. Like I, I want them to be in a situation where people can see their value beyond the physical tools that most people look at when you talk about drafting a player. Uh, for Keegan, I think it was a big help. Harrison Barnes was huge for him. Uh, Domas taking, you know, taking him under his wing. I just think that there were so many guys that poured into him from different areas, um, you know, outside of the coaching staff that really helped him develop and and really uh, show him the rope, so to speak. So uh, I think, like I said, I think the sky's the limit. Obviously, you know, we knew we wanted to go a little bit further, so I think we're a couple pieces away. But I think. The strides. The one thing about Keegan that people need to know is he's his toughest critic. And I'm telling you, he's watching more film on the things that he did wrong than the things that he did right. And I think that's where you're going to see that jump from him. Um, and he's just like Chris. I mean, those two guys, we they joke about it that I would pull out the old Iowa Hawkeye films when I played and show them this kind of stuff. And they said, I think dad just wanted to watch himself, but which might have been true back then. But part of it is showing them how to watch film, showing them how to break things down, because I would do game film breakdowns in high school. So they learn how to watch film of opponents and themselves and things like that. So I just, I just know for, for both of them, like they're going to, they're, they've got great careers ahead of them, but it comes down to them really loving the process of getting better. What was the biggest challenge of having your twin sons play all their lives together and then play separate this mm. first year. I mean, for you as a dad trying to, you know, uh, consume all these games or as a family trying to consume all these games, but what was the biggest adju- adjustment or challenge? The biggest challenge for us was that with all four of our kids, they were in four different chapters of their life, right? So you have, you know, Demetrius and Maddie about to have a baby. You've got, you know, Keegan playing in Sacramento. You've got McKenna, junior year in high school. 
you've got Crystal at Iowa. So the toughest thing for us was balancing what we did as parents for each of them, right? Because the toughest thing is they see themselves one way as your kids. And obviously there's certain things that they feel that they need as kids from their parents. And most time it's time, right? And, you know, full transparency, Chris felt that Keegan's basketball was more important than his early in the year. Like I wouldn't even say early in the year. I think it was like, it came to a head around Christmas and we had to break, I had basically had to break it down to him. Like, you know, your basket, your, what you're doing is not more important than anybody else's, but because of the different chapters you're in, there's going to be times where Keegan needs us more or Demetrius to Maddie with, you know, the baby's doing January. They're going to need us there. I go, when April hits, bro, I said, April to July is all about you. Like it's all about Chris. And then we hit August and then it's McKenna back in volleyball and things like that. So that was probably the toughest thing for us to adjust to as parents. And then, you know, my role is one way. And then Michelle is a mom, right? Now you have each one of our boys has a significant other. So that changes how mom is in their life too. And so really it wasn't the travel. It wasn't trying to get the games or watch games. It was the dynamic and how we parented and how they needed us to parent them. That was probably the toughest thing that we had to go through this year. We've got more with Kenny Murray coming up, but we should mention that today's podcast presented by our buddy, Sean Stanfield over at guaranteed rate and rate.com slash Sean Stanfield. You know, Morgan Reagan buying a house can be confusing. It can be. I don't, do I, do I have the money to do it? How do I start? Yeah, those are like the first couple of questions, correct. Does it make sense for me right now to buy a house? That's the one. Don't ask me and Morgan, but we can point you to a guy that we've known for a decade, and that's Sean Stanfield and his team over at guaranteedrateandrate.com slash Sean Stanfield. It's great because you can hit up Sean and talk about what you're trying to do, and he'll tell you point blank, yeah, not going to work. He'll take all your numbers and make it make sense for you. Or if it doesn't make any sense, he's just going to shoot it to you straight. Yeah. He's not just trying to get you in a house by any means necessary. He's helped many of our podcast listeners before, whether it's getting into a house or refinancing theirs. So hit him up today at rate.com slash Sean Stanfield. That's rate.com slash Sean Stanfield. You can also call or text him at 916-276-7563. That's 916- 2767563 equal housing lender subject to credit approval NMLS ID number 349707 company NMLS ID number 2611 NMLS consumer access.org thanks so much for friends at guarantee right guarantee right we're also presented by a New York Times best selling author she has been at the top of the Amazon charts and oh. she did it by being self-published, you know, the big bad book publishers said, no, 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 your shit sucks. Yeah. And so she literally. said, you know, I like writing. I'm going to keep writing. Self-published. And what do you know? It's turned out okay for the one and only TR rating. She had a dream. She's living her dream. And if you are into crazy, weird, can't even go to bed, you're going to have nightmare thrillers, <laughs> make sure to check out her books. I... I was too afraid for like the first 15 years to read these books after they were published and millions of people were reading them. So finally, this last few weeks, I've been reading all of her books and I'm obsessed with them. So make sure to go to trreagan.com. You can search them all there or just go to amazon.com. You can get audio, you can get Kindle, you can get hardcover copies, whatever you need to read. It is all there.
Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. I also imagine to what Morgan was just talking about, you know, Keegan Chris twins played basketball with each other their whole lives. And this was like the first time they're apart, mm-hmm. right? Like probably the longest they've ever been apart. I, I'm yeah. guessing. And then you're going through stuff. There's family things going on with, like you mentioned, with, with your mom who had the, the health issue. That's just another level that, that of adversity that maybe as a family you, you're not used to tackling. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Um, I still. It's funny because I still say Chris and Keegan, even though I'm talking about one or the other. Right? <laughs> it's like it's just ingrained yeah. in me uh, to do that. Um, but I think for them, the toughest thing was so after so All Star Weekend, Keegan played in the Rising Stars game. Uh, I think it was a Friday. He flew back Saturday morning to watch McKenna and I's playoff game that we played, and then we drove to Northwestern to watch Chris play. That was the first time. So this is in what yeah, February. So they hadn't seen each other physically since August. Wow. So Keegan left to go to Sacramento August 16th which was three days before their birthday. So first, first birthday apart. And they didn't see each other until physically till February. So, you know, I know that was tough for them. They're not one to show emotion a lot. And so uh, the best thing that they, I don't even think they hugged before, <laughs> before Keegan left because it was, it was tough. It was the first time for them being apart. But I think the best thing that we've seen is, and you'll, you'll see it too, Chris and Keegan couldn't be more different Mm-hmm. For all the similarities, they couldn't be more different. And a funny thing, his first interview at the Combine was with the Kings. And <laughs> uh, I talked to, uh, oh gosh, uh, I talked to Wes. And Wes said that they said to Chris, in 25 minutes, you've said more than Keegan said all season. <laughs> <laughs> so people will see the differences there. And I think that's really where Chris has made a big splash is just through his interviews and his not not necessarily his basketball but just his confidence in himself you know being able to come back to school and do it you know everybody's old you know Keegan's better he's like just wait you know so um I'm looking forward to to his journey and wherever he lands like you know we may want him some I figured you guys would ask me like where we wanted him to go and so I've been thinking about that a little bit but uh that's funny you know what I I don't know that we were going to I was like I don't want to put him in a tough spot but now now I kind of want to hear yeah I mean if you want if you (laughs) want so I did I really thought about this and honestly you know just the the sheer um odds of having one kid play in the NBA I mean incredible and then to have two we know that we're blessed and wherever he ends up will be great. I think obviously if they were together again, that would be awesome. But I, I still think their biggest growth on the floor is going to be away from each other as opposed mm. to together. And I think they eventually, hopefully, if 
you know, we'll, we don't know what the future holds, but, you know, obviously it'd be great to have them both on the same roster, but I, I still think that they're, they're the biggest leaps are to come. And I think, I know that they'll make them without each other as opposed to together. So do you laugh at some of these mock drafts? Because it feels like, and I don't know if it's just the easy thing to do for these mock drafts at this point where everyone, it seems is putting Chris to Sacramento. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I I know a lot more of what's going on behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and where he has the potential to fall. I mean, you know, he's got three, four. He's got four, four, uh, three workouts, and I think a meet and greet or something like that meeting with uh, teams this week. So he's pretty uh-huh. busy. But um, I think it's easy for them to say that just because they're twins. I, yeah. I think pure basketball people will look at what teams ahead of them need and how he can fill that role. That's how I look at it. Honestly, I, I, I mean, I, I do follow mock drafts and I joke about him because I'm like, Oh, it'd be great if he goes here. He'd be yeah. great if he goes here. And you know, Oh, he, he really liked this visit, but in the end, I think we'll make whatever work. <laughs> I, I just love how realistic you are and like your, your perspective of, Hey, no matter where he goes, like there's going to be so many positive angles here. He's going, they're going to grow. We're going to grow as a family. And I think one of my favorite things about meeting you and your family this last season was just really seeing how proud you guys were like Michelle with, um, talking about how, how, when she heard for the first time, 17,000 people screaming Keegan Murray, and she's like tearing up talking about it with me and, uh, it just your your joy for all of your kids shine through. What what would you say? What are you most proud of when you especially think of like Chris and Keegan? Uh, one probably the most proud thing I am, and I'm not. I'm gonna try not to get emotional. Um, <laughs> <laughs> was probably just their belief in. I don't even know if we call it a plan, right? So like we just, I just got a picture that came across my phone. It was three years ago yesterday that we were moving them into their dorm at Iowa to start their freshman year. And then to be here, like, you know, there were so many people that didn't believe that they were division one players. And obviously there's probably a lot of people that didn't think they belonged at Iowa, but the fact that they stuck to the plan, they believed in us when we didn't know, when I sent them to Florida, I didn't know how in the hell I was going to get that done. I mean, trying to pay for that, you know, McKenna and Demetrius are here. Michelle's done. I mean, it was like, I was, I I joke about, I was like, I was robbing Peter to pay Paul, but that was the one thing. And I might've mentioned to you, that's the one thing that we said, you have to do this. Like if you want to reach the basketball goals you have set, you have to go to prep school. You have to do this. Um, so I'm proudest in them believing in us, them believing in each other and pushing each other. And then the support that they get from McKenna and Demetrius, they have like, you know, they're all in this little, uh, what is it? Um, Group text or? Snap, yeah, Snap, yeah. but they do Snapchat. So, oh. you know, I don't do Snap, Michelle doesn't do Snap, but they have this Snapchat group with just, you know, just the kids and the way that they support each other in that, you know, I think, we're blessed as parents to have, you know, all four of them. But when it comes to those two men, like they just, they believed in each other. They never deviated from the plan. They knew what they wanted to do. They didn't let any outside 
noise, distract them. Um, they didn't let what maybe some of their teammates were doing deter them for what, you know, they wanted to accomplish on the floor. And I think that's what we're starting to see now, which is why I think that their careers are going to, I think they have a chance to be really good for a really long time, but it's because of that work ethic that they've developed over all these years that I think is really um, probably the biggest reason why they're where they're at. And was I a perfect dad? Nope. Was I a perfect husband? Nope. But, you know, I think um, I always strive to be. And I think that I've grown more in the last five years, probably more than they have. Um, but I think it's a, that growth for me has allowed them to see that you don't have to be perfect every day. Um, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to make mistakes. But it's like if, if I can show them that it's okay to go through that and to own it, then I think um, I've done my job as a dad if I can do that. So. Man, well, I appreciate you being vulnerable and yeah. opening up about that too. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's tough. When yeah, when you talk about that, man, it's yeah, because I it's because I I heard all the doubts. You know, <sighs> like even when they went to Iowa, they're like the only reason they got a scholarship was because of their dad. And Chris was an add-on, you know, because every they wanted Keegan. And you know, so you talk about like the, the social media here in Iowa, the, the message boards here were brutal. Wow. And now it's just funny. Like there's been so many times I just wanted to put a post up on the Hawkeye message board that said, I told you so. But, <laughs> but by um, them being in the NBA is saying it without saying it, right? Yeah. A bit. <laughs> but you know, why not type it? It's it's funny you mentioned social media too, because, you know, Keegan's a young man and he's not really a social media guy at all. It, it's mm -mm. It seems like he's like basketball. That's what he does. Family, he golfs a little bit. It, and people look at him as this quiet guy, and I'm sure he's a little quiet, but I think sometimes that gets mistaken for meaning you don't have emotions or you, you don't care out there. To give us a little insight on Keegan as a person, not on social media, just kind of focused yeah. on on basketball. Well, that's the thing. Like when they played, people – because the one thing that's come up with Chris and Keegan both through this process is that effortless – right? Like when they play, it seems effortless. When they move, it seems effortless. When they shoot, they seem effortless. But going through the recruiting process in high school, a lot of coaches looked at that as they didn't have passion, like they weren't enjoying themselves out there. And they're like, no, we'll enjoy it once we win the game. Um, but for Keegan, yeah, he, he doesn't have a Twitter account. He got rid of that. Uh, he does have Instagram, um, which he very rarely posts on that. <laughs> um, Chris has both. Um, I think Chris's dog probably has, Indy has more social media posts than, than he does. Um, so, uh, but for both of them, it's like, they don't need affirmation from anybody outside of, I mean, honestly, like they don't even need affirmation from us. It's, they know what they can do. They're going to do it. They want to make us proud. You know, they want to make their, their family proud. And that's what they play for. They don't play for anything else other than our family. Like our family name means a lot to them. Um, you know, Keegan said as such, you know, he had that little Adidas video where he said, like, I, I play for my family. And I know Chris does the same thing. So I think not seeing them on social media, one, shows that, hey, they're locked into what they need to do. They know that they've worked way too hard to get to this point to stop working now. And all that other stuff can take care of itself. That's why they have me and their mom to handle everything outside of basketball for them. Um, and that's that, that we tell them, your job right now is to be a basketball player. And whatever that means for your mom and I, you know, the rest of the family will pick up for you. 
Well, we'll take care of all the other stuff while you guys focus on living your dream. And that's what Keegan's doing and Chris is on the, the cusp of doing is living their dream. And it's funny because we found a journal when they were like in sixth or seventh grade. And when you read through it, I'm just saying, Chris is, he's like, I want to be six, eight and a half. I want to, I want to be a professional <laughs> basketball player. Uh, I mean, he said all these things that I didn't even know that they had these goals, but to see them coming true, like as a parent, like that's the best thing is that they're living their dream right now. That's amazing. You guys are just, I mean, talk about a team, the Murray family, just like what, what a team so supportive of each and every one. And um, I just love the connection that you guys all have, you know, I know we we have talked about Michelle and and when the first time she heard Keegan Murray. What about for you? The first time when you heard an entire NBA arena screaming your last name, but your son's full name. Yeah, it was crazy. I, she sent me the video the first time, which was bananas. You know, I mean, that's uh, it's one of those things. Like I wouldn't say, like to me that was his welcome to the NBA moment because a fan base had embraced him, right? I think that when he said, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to be in Sacramento. I'm here for the fans. I want to help turn around. Think about, think, if you think back to his press conference, what he said, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help the team win. Uh, I want to help turn it around. You know, we're going to make the playoffs. Like all those things, granted, it took a whole organization to get that done, but that was his mindset. And everywhere they've gone, they've won. We hadn't won a high school conference championship since 1998. We won it their senior year. Iowa hadn't won a Big Ten championship in 16 years. Uh, they won it, you know, their sophomore year. You know, you got the Kings not making the playoffs. And I'm just, you know, I just feel like there's a, a, a great plan for them. Um, we don't know what, it, what it's going to look like at the end. You know, only God knows that. But there's something about them that even as their dad, I think, is very special. And I feel like God has definitely put his hand on them in a certain way um, where they're able to affect people around them for the better. And um, if it results in wins or it results in money being raised for the children's hospital or special Olympics, I just feel like their, their story is so much more than basketball, but you know, to go back to that, to have that kind of acknowledgement, Oh man, like you can't beat it, you know? And it's, I don't know. I think it's, I'm biased, but I think it's the best cheer in the, in the league. It's pretty so. good. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, yeah, I, I'm curious, going back to last year during the draft process, of course you're excited to have a child in the NBA, but what you also talked about is just being in the right situation. And yeah. knowing the history of the Kings before last year, you know, there's been a lot of instability. You had a playoff drought that was the longest in NBA history. You've seen lottery picks come and go. What what made you confident once he was going to Sacramento? Like, oh, this could be the right place based on knowing the Kings past. When we flew out after the draft, you know, sitting down with Monty and and Coach Brown and Wes, um, I I thought like that's when I was like, okay, there's something good because you get a coach that I go, well, I was like, shoot, Mike Brown is coach LeBron, he's coach Kobe. Like, you talk about somebody that 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 has coached greatness um, and been able to win with that. Um, I felt like, you know, you know, coaching Steph and Clay and winning championships, I was like, you're bringing in the right coach. I think one of the things that even coming into it that I had heard was just 
you know, ownership and, and those kind of things. And, and, you know, Vivek is very hands-on, you know, and so sometimes that's good, sometimes it's not. And so, you know, there were a lot of different stories floating out there, but after meeting him and, and I think the best thing he did was when you look at just uh, administratively how they put people together, you know, Monty and West and they have the right people and then allowing them to do their job, right? Like that's, you hire good people and let them do the job that, that you hired them for. I, I saw that, you know, those couple of days we were out there after the draft and uh, felt really comfortable with that. And obviously, you know, Jordy was great for Keegan being able to coach him in the summer league and they created a relationship and Doug and then, you know, just being around like, I mean, even down to the people that helped like Mel and, and Penny that helped with like yes. tickets and all that kind of like, like everybody in the organization has been phenomenal. And so, uh, so yeah, when we came out there after draft, like we were like, this is going to be a solid place. And Sacramento is like, you know, Des Moines in California. It's, it's a Midwest city and it fits Keegan to a T. Like he, he's slow motion. He doesn't like it too fast, too loud. So everything just seemed to work. It, knowing all that history and everything that was going on um, with this organization for so long in the playoff drought, what were your emotions like watching Keegan and this team play in the playoffs. Well, first two games, I was like, "Who the hell is that?" He <laughs> looked like my. <laughs> he didn't look like my kid. I was like, "Come on, bro! Like, you gotta you gotta get this going, man." You know, even De'Aaron said it just took a half for him to figure out how Golden State was going to play him. It's taking you two games, but now all joking aside, um, once again, like he went back to the film those two games. And made adjustments game three you know and 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 that was to see honestly i didn't really care what happened in the series i thought the experience was going to be phenomenal for him but it was even better to see him make adjustments on the fly yes and make an impact and help win games um even you know even game two he didn't score but he played better and then everything kind of started hitting uh game three um, so for me watching him, it was like, what kind of growth is he going to have? Right. And you get a taste of how hungry you guys want to be coming back the next year. Like you were that close, you know, to, to get into the second round and that kind of thing. So, um, that was the best part for me is just seeing him grow in the moment. And then obviously, uh, being out there with Chris, you know, watching him play, you know, having Chris in the stands and watching him play in that first round, like it was it was interesting because I was like, are you ready for this? He was like, yeah, I am too. So, you know, I think it, it actually just fueled Chris even more like, yeah, like I know I can do this watching his brother do it. Um, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I'm so excited for them. I'm just so excited. I, next week can't come fast enough oh. for me. So. Yeah. I, you just bring up the playoffs too, just triggered so many emotions. I, 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 well, you know, we moved on from it a little bit, Yeah. but I, yeah, what? that was crazy. Cause what was it like for you guys? Like, I mean, we talked about it on my podcast, but it, it seemed like it was such a sigh of re like the, like the whole city was like, finally. And yeah. the emotion was so great. So, I mean, how was it being in it and seeing a drought come to an end? One, the drought coming into an end was amazing. I think what I forgot about, being in the playoffs or just the ultimate high of being there and the ultimate lows when you lose, you know what I mean? Like game six, yeah. that win oh. in San Francisco. Oh my God. I, 
I was there. I was like, they're winning game seven. Like I, I had zero doubt. Like the way they played in game six went there. I was like, oh you, shit. You know what's funny? I I think what I I I try to do a lot of is separate myself. Like the. Separate myself as a fan and, and someone who's analyzing the game. I try to find the balance of that, right? As we we cover this team. Um, I think on our podcast, we can be a lot looser with our fandom and everything as well. But during that playoff run, I felt the same way I felt when I was a child and I first fell in love mm. with this team. And feeling that type of basketball fandom, again, in my soul was... It was something I didn't know I needed to feel in my 30s. And it was just, it was fantastic. Yeah, no, the one, and the one thing it showed too was, like the series was great and then went to game seven, but it also shows, I, and I, I tell people all this, everybody in the NBA can play. But to be able to watch Curry will his team to a win, like that's the, the, the one thing that people don't understand because average guys will be like, oh yeah, my boy from back in the day, he should have played in the NBA, blah, blah, blah. It's like, yo, you have no idea because yes. you guys see it in the G League. You see guys every game that are uber talented and you wonder as you're sitting there watching them, why isn't this guy in the league? And it's probably one or two like little bitty things that's keeping them away. But the one thing that greatness, great players can do is they can will a team he yep. put them on his back Oof. and carried them to that win. And that's no fault on what we did defensively or, or whatever. It's that dude was not losing that game, which is why he's one of the probably, you know, 50 greatest players ever play the game. Um, so that's what I was like. Don't be so discouraged that we lost that game. Yep. One, recognize greatness and know that we have, you know, we're probably a couple pieces away from being that same level of team, too. But then does De'Aaron take another jump? Does Domas take a jump? Keegan take a jump? What do we do with Harrison? You know, who do we bring in? Who do we bring back? Who do we draft? So that's the thing now, like after that loss, I'm like, okay, what are we going to do as an organization to get us to that next level? Yeah. So I'm excited to see what happens over the next month or two with um, who we bring in, who we draft and, and go from there. But I'm, I'm excited. And somebody said, I think I saw it today. They say Sacramento may be the biggest threat to Denver if Denver wins the championship this year in the West. So man, people talking crazy. Like that too. That's We're, crazy, uh, man. King, Kings Reddit or yeah. something. No, that was on ESPN today. <laughs> oh, actually, was it was it? on ESPN today. <laughs> someone said that. Yeah, yeah, that? yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I did. Oh Let's my god. Go. Um, so what? What's the biggest thing for Keegan? You talked about taking a jump. What, what's What's he got to do to take a jump? The biggest thing is ISO, I, which is why I love him working out with De'Aaron. You know, he's got to be able to get his shot off and a, you know, shot clocks running down, everybody catch and shoot. Now, everybody knows you can shoot. Yep. Now you can add so many different levels to your game because of that. You know, you can get to the rim. You know, I, I think he's, I didn't think he showed his athleticism late in the year. And maybe that's just being a rookie, not having the legs he had earlier. Um, so I, I want to see his explosion get a little bit better. That first step get a little bit better. And then understand like you can go in the lane and dunk on anybody. I'm just, yep. thank I, you. I mean, Granted, they don't have the vertical that I had, but I'm just saying, um, you know, I, I want to see him be more aggressive that way. And I think the relationship he's building with Fox will also put more trust in Fox and him, right? Like trust, he'll trust him. And 
So I want him to be able to, to ISO and get, you know, get things late in the shot clock. Um, he's been a guard. Like, I mean, I, when he was a freshman, he was five foot 11 and all he was, was a ball handling shooting guard. Wow. And same thing with Chris. And that's where I think, you know, Chris will be different too, but I just think Keegan's one-on-one game has got to get better. I want to see him in the post. Like he has an unbelievable post game, left hand hook, right hand hook, up and unders. Like, I mean, cause they didn't know it, but we were teaching them all through the high school. Like you're going to need this Sunday. So I just, I'm just ready to see his game expand. Um, I think obviously second year, he'll have more trust, even from coach Brown. I think coach trusted him a lot this year, but um, I just want him to take that jump like he did at Iowa freshman year is like, okay, now you can do this stuff. And if he has that kind of jump that he did from freshman to sophomore year, from rookie to second year in the league, telling you, man, watch out. You know, you even, you talk about that athleticism that is there with him too. And maybe you didn't see it as much toward the end of the season, but I remember even summer league of last year, the way that he would get to the basket and his body control, people underrate that. And that is athleticism right there. I mean, being able to control your body, stay up in the air, get to the basket, the way that he was getting the basket, but also his high release and ability to shoot over people. If he gets that first step going on people and then just have that stop, pop, go off the dribble. I mean, he w- my mind yeah. is going wild. And you know me, I said, I want him to go dunk on somebody like you said, or even there, there are too many times this year where I'm like, man, you're getting blocked at the rim. And I'm like, I know you could play with yes. force and go dunk on somebody. So seeing that's going to be fun to see, you know, how his game yeah. evolves. Cause you're, he's got the the IQ. He's, he could shoot a guy, his size that could shoot. And is a smart player, he could play off the ball too. Yep. So he'd be a good player. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like what he did in that last, last regular season game in Denver, when he went down the middle and done yes. like, and he, you know, he, he postered him and he just got up and ran the other way. Like he, there's no bravado uh, yeah. about him, but I'm like, bro, you can do that all the time. <laughs> like just, just do it. But I think, I think too, don't be, uh, don't count out like his jump on defense too. I think mm. he'll have a big jump there. Understanding being stronger. He's all, I think he told me he's like 220, 221 now. Um, so as long as he can, build that strength and size and keep that quickness. I think it's going, he's going to be better on the defensive end too. And I, I think he can be a better rebounder. So I think there's a couple of areas that I really want to see improvement on four and a half rebounds is good, but he can be eight or nine a game. Um, And so I think that's where I think I want him to round out his game a lot more. And he definitely needs to get to the free throw line more. That drove me bananas. Like, bro, get to the free throw line and shoot free throws. Yeah. He's I love that. Yeah, because he's so capable. He's so capable. Yeah. It's gonna it's it's gonna be fun seeing him take all these leaps, especially because when you have such a high IQ smart player that is just a student of the game and is obsessed and addicted to the game, um, it's only gonna get even more exciting. You coach your daughter's team right now, and your coach, you played ball, you coached them growing up. Uh just from the kind of outside looking in, like your thoughts on what this Kings coaching staff was able to do this year, not only with Keegan, but with the team, you, you mentioned Mike Brown and his resume, Jordy, Doug, a lot of talented coaches on this staff. What, what jumped out to you about this coaching staff? I think more than anything. And, and I actually am going to implement some things that I saw this year was just the autonomy he gave his assistant coaches, whether it was Jordy in the timeout or, um Jay you know Triano in the, in the yeah. timeout like he let them do their thing like there's a reason they're on his staff they all bring different um 
uh, strengths to the table. And I think the ability to kind of balance that and, you know, there was some, there's some things he did. You kind of like, what, like just take the Toronto game. Like they were struggling and he gets thrown out and Jordy takes over. And it's kind of like, you know, there's little things like that, that people that don't know the game know goes on. There's a lot of things that are done intentionally during the game to maybe get people going. But I thought just his, his ability to read his team, uh, coach hard when he needed to coach hard. You know, there's a couple of times I was like, why isn't Keegan back in the game? You know what I'm saying? Like, I was just kind of like, as a dad, I'm like, dude, he, he didn't get, you know, somebody else didn't do their job. He shouldn't be out. But I think, you know, he, he did a great job of, of, of pushing the right buttons, allowing the coaches to do their job. And I think it all came together. And like I said, that's why we broke the, the, the 16 year playoff drought. And um, I think moving forward, the staff, obviously it would have been, I think it would have been bad to lose Jordy, but he's coming back. So yeah. excited about that and, and what we can do uh, next year. So That's the thing. Jordy's it's, it's, he's going to get hired at some point to be a head coach. I know, in the NBA, but that's so what you got to soak, him while it, he's up now. soak enjoy, it up now. The one that I just had to just about Chris real fast. I, 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 of course I'm happy that your son's going to the NBA, but I just can't imagine a situation where Kenyon is saying we if Chris Ooh. is on Golden State Ooh. or the Lakers, like, and you're wearing like a Lakers hat Ike. or a Warriors hat, that would, I don't know if I, I could. Find, I need to find a designer to like do the, the split. No, thing. not with those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God, no. That's, that's my worst nightmare. Honestly, that kind of, that hurts my heart a little. It's I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about it. I mean, with like Steph and Seth, it wasn't that big of a deal because they didn't play on like rival teams. But you think about like where the Lakers and the Warriors are in the draft. Yeah. Like, why Why we got to think about this right now? I, I like, just why was being you, honest about it. I'm just Kenny, being honest. you don't have to think about this yet. Don't think about it. Uh, <laughs> no. Like I said, it, it doesn't matter. I just, I want a great fit yeah. um, for him. Uh, yeah, you know, we're just going to enjoy the next, next, I mean, I, like I said, next week can't come fast enough. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the girls have picked out what they're going to wear. So, you know, we go to the draft, it'll be great. So, you know, uh, um, yeah, I, I, I'm just excited for, for, for Chris to be able to, to go through it, experience it himself. Right. It was great for Keegan to go through it. I think, you know, there's the Thompson twins are going through it together this year and yeah. you know, good drafted. I think it, there's something to be said about Keegan going through it and now Chris going through it because they've been synonymous for so long for them to be able to have their own moments. Um, I mean, as a dad, I, I, I'm, I'm just happy that, that Chris gets this moment to himself and, you know, gets the shine and gets the attention and stuff like that. Cause they've always been K and K they're always been Chris and Keegan and now it's uh, it's Chris's turn. So sorry about the dog. No, don't no, even hey, worry. We got dogs running yep. around all the time. Uh, just want to thank you for for taking the time and congratulations to you and the family too. Like you, you, we spent so much time talking about uh, Chris and Keegan and what they've accomplished, but it's it's a whole team that that yeah. makes this happen. You and, all deserve this. Yeah, and we appreciate your vulnerability and just hanging out with us and and, and talking about things. Absolutely, no, I appreciate you having me on the show. And yeah, we'll we'll connect after the draft. That's the one and only. Kenyon Murray. Deuce and Mo, Deuce and Mo, Deuce and Mo. They tell you what they know. Deuce and Mo, Deuce and Mo, Deuce and Mo. The podcast that you know. Deuce and Mo. Presented by T Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. 
With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.